0: Radio Rumi. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another program um, on Radio Rumi. This is Fatima Keshavars, and it is my pleasure to be speaking with you one more time about the wise and deep and beautiful words of Jalaluddin Rumi, the poet who lived in the 13th century and is touching our lives today as if he were a contemporary. Well, what you heard and you hear at the beginning of this program, it's a song that Homayun uh, Shajarian, a young Iranian, uh, highly accomplished musician, sings on a ghazal of Rumi. Um, and it goes something like this, Ba man del yik del which means, "Oh, my beloved, um, come close, accept me, be um, intimate, be open with me, and if I did not give everything to you, then complain." It's a um, it's a really delightful ghazal that we can one time read. But the reason why I'm talking about it is um, that I think it's great for you to know that to this day, uh, Persian speakers, um, and definitely Iranians, uh, will be hearing the words of Rumi almost every day. It could be a song. It could be uh, woven into a beautiful piece of tapestry. It could be um, calligraphy. um, It could be almost any Art, uh, art form inspired by the words of Rumi. With that, let me do uh, something different today. I'm going to start with three or four um, simple lines, and then by way of those lines, I will work our way into the topic of today. And before I do that, let me remind you one more time, please feel free to write to me um, with your thoughts, ideas, comments, questions, suggestions. I would look forward to keeping them in mind as I do future programs on Rumi. And here are the poems that I selected to open our program today. کو سوسن و کو نسترن کو سر لالو یا کو سوسن و کو نسترن کو سر و لالو یا کو زبز پوشان چمن کو ارقوان کو, کو میوه ها را دایگان کو شهد و شکر رایگان گان خوشگاست از شیر روان هر شیردان هر شیردان کو بلبله شیرین فنم کو فاخته ای کو کوکو زنم طاووس خوب چون سنم کو طوطیان کو توتیان And this combination of melodic and um, colorful and, at the same time, kind of playful and humorous um, combination of words in English goes something like this. Oh, where is the eglantine? Where is it? Where is the cypress tree? Where are the tulips? Where is the jasmine? Oh, where are those green-wearing residents of the green fields? Where is the Judas tree? Where is the Judas tree? Where are those mothers that feed the beautiful fruits on the tree? Where are those sweet tasting free treasures? We are waiting, we're waiting for milk. Our jogs are empty. Where is the beautiful nightingale? The one who sings with many different kinds of artistry and art forms. where are the birds where is the ring dove that says cuckoo cuckoo where is the peacock where is the peacock where are where are the parrots i'm looking for, for the parrots where are they and this is by no means an exceptional passage in fact you could find tens of examples of such lines among rumi's lyric corpus i'm going to use these words these particular lines to work our way and help us find our way into the way he thinks and imagines and images animals and plants and today let's let's just think, and talk about animals. There's so much that we can do. We can look at the stories in which animals play a part. We can look at the, uh, similar images to the ones that I just gave you. And we, we can look at the color of the flowers and they can um, the way they basically are alive and are a part of our daily journey through life. Some of Rumi's stories I have already quoted for you. Um, But there are so many that I can every time give you a new story and there would still be more to go. And very often they are um, symbolic. Their purpose is to teach something. And sometimes he interprets those and tells us what he meant. And sometimes He leaves them to us. Either way, um, we are always aware of the fact that these stories are not only invented by him, that they come from many different cultural traditions. And I think today, with all the conversation about do we want immigrants in our country or not, How do we make our country and our culture great? I think that we are so much in need of these colorful stories. Because they tell us that when you live in a cosmopolitan culture in which you listen to other people's stories, make them a part of your life, you don't stagnate you don't become totally self-absorbed. Rather, you open the window and you look outside your world and you learn from others. Now, among the cultures um, from which Rumi learned were were many, really. There were the Indians, stories that got to the Persian tradition through the Indian culture, um, there are stories coming from Arab folk culture. Um, there are stories coming from Greek tradition. It's just a colorful panorama of stories and, and um, images. Listen to this one. There's one that almost all school children in Iran have read. it, And it goes something like this. روستایی گاو در آخر ببست شیر گاوش خورد و بر جایش نشست ام This villager um had a cow and put his cow in the stable um a lion came in ate up the cow and sat in its place روستایی شد در آخر سوی گا روستایی شد در آخر سوی گاف، گاف را می شب آن کنج گاف. The villager went to the stable at night looking for his cow. دست می بر پهلوی شیر، گاه بالا، گاه پهلو، گاه زیر. So he went close and he started touching the lion thinking that it was his cow. Sheer gofda rooshani afzon bodi The lion said if this place was just a little bit brighter so that this man could see what he's touching. Oh, he would just be so frightened that he would instantly die. So, let's take this. Well, first, of course, animals talk. And they tell us what they think, which is very beautiful. It's very colorful to think that... um, We don't live in a mute world. We don't live in a place where human beings are the only ones who are entitled to their perspectives. That other animals and plants and even objects um, speak. So that's one thing. That's in the background. But then the lion is also very wise. A lot of animals are. Um, And what the lion is saying here is a lot of the things we do, we do so bravely and almost without thinking is because we just don't have enough knowledge. And of course, it is a famous concept that has been discussed in many, many different traditions. Sometimes not knowing enough is worse than not knowing anything at all because you act on the basis of that knowledge. Now, of course, Rumi does not believe that we can become so totally wise that we know everything. Um, Nobody knows everything. In fact, there's a famous saying in Persian that says, everything is only known to everyone because each person has a piece of knowledge and then that put together becomes reservoir of knowledge. But here, um, I think he cautions us about walking in the dark, about not trying to see the picture in a brighter, more comprehensive background light. If you now go back to the subject that I raised earlier about um, immigrants or those who are not like us, this story applies very much. If you just bunch everybody who's not like you together and call them the other and think that they don't know anything or they're so different that you can never relate to them, then the relationship would be like touching the lion in the dark, that many things could go wrong because we act on the basis of the very little we know. Another story, in another story, um, which is the story of a rabbit and a lion, and it's again probably comes from a, another cultural source that traveled into the Persian speaking world. In that one, the lion is, is actually not a symbol of wisdom and um power but it's a it's a it's a symbol of um blind um arrogant power um he wants to be um the lion wants to be the king of the forest and um wants to um, have a fresh um every day wants the entire forest to bring there is food to him, and he terrifies all the little animals like rabbits and um, foxes and um, squirrels and everything else. Everybody else in the forest is terrified. One day, um, a, a very wise rabbit um, joins a group of animals who are saying, oh, What are we going to do about this violent lion? That attacks us every day and wants us to um, to give him a prey every day, so that he doesn't even have to hunt. You know, he just his food is brought to him. And the rabbit says, "I actually have a solution. Um, this lion is so greedy um, that we can find ways to to defeat him." They say we. You, the little rabbit, you know, you're going to defeat the lion. He says, I'm telling you, because he's so greedy. He's so convinced of his own power that it is possible for us to do that. So they say, well, uh, what do you want to do? And he says, well, give me a prey for a day or two. I'm going to give him a gift. And, um, you know, and then leave it to me after that. So for a couple of days, the animals help and find a, a hunt, a, a, a prey, you know, some animal that the lion would like to eat and gave, give them to the rabbit. And rabbit takes that to the lion. And one day he goes late, goes late, and, and the, lion, the lion is hungry and is angry and is, you know, um, huffing and puffing and then um the rabbit arrives you know short of breath and looking very scared and the lion says what's going on where's my prey um and the rabbit says oh your highness um you know whatever term he uses to to give his um sense of self-import even more boost you know he says Oh, uh, Your Highness, I'm so sorry. I, You know, there is another lion in this vicinity and he tortures me and he, he threatens me that if I gave more uh, um, praise to you that he's going to kill me and I'm so afraid, I don't know what to do. And the lion says, What? Who is this lion? Um, and just leave that to me. Let me take care of this. And the rabbit says, oh, he's very powerful. He's very scary. You know, I'm terrified. And and the lion says, no, don't worry. Just show him to me. And the rabbit says, okay, if that's what you want. And tastes the lion and walks him towards this well, which has water at the bottom. And then asks the lion to look inside. And he looks inside, too, and he says, there he is, see? He has now taken another rabbit. You can see that, can't you? And, of course, the lion is seeing his own image and the image of the rabbit um, at the bottom of the well, reflected in the water. And he is so blinded by greed and so angry that he jumps down the well, to catch the other lion, and of course, he falls to his death. Rumi goes on to make all kinds of interpretations but um, to finish this story, but actually, it's one of those universal themes that does not really require that much interpretation for any of us. If you're blinded by greed, you're not going to be able to really see what is happening around you. You're just going to take hasty action and the one who's going to suffer for it is you. There is another lion that appears in um, another story that Rumi uses. And let me tell you that one because through these tri- three different stories you can see that A lion could be many different things. The one who spoke to the um, villager was a wise mind. The one who terrorized the forest was a greedy, um, self-worshipping and self-deceiving powerful person who overestimated himself. And this last one is kind of incidental. But um, something really um, interesting to be expressed. Again, about knowledge is told through this third line. And this story goes like this. This man hears that Jesus can bring the dead back to life. And he's so impressed with that. And he thinks that... Um, if this is possible by one human being, um, it should be possible by another. I am going to go find this man and learn from him how to bring the dead to life. And so he travels and he finds um, Jesus and he expresses his wish to him. Jesus uh, tries to explain to him that um, the miracle of giving life back to the dead is not a display of power. That he is not really doing it in order to um, achieve dominion over other people. It is not in order to gain some kind of material gain, and it is something that only very special people should be able to do. It's so great that not everybody should do it, and this man doesn't accept. He keeps saying, well, this is such a great thing to be able to do. I really have no other wish in my life but to be able to bring a dead being back into life. And he goes on and on and on, day after day after day. And finally, um, Jesus decides to give him his wish. Maybe in order for us, the readers of the story, to see the wisdom of it, of course, because um, Rumi never claims that these stories are based in fact, and the factuality here is is not a big deal at all is the way the story speaks to us. So, as the story goes, Jesus says, okay, fine, here I teach you the secret of bringing um, a dead creature back to life. But I am warning you, this is a very grave and very important piece of knowledge. It is not to be used carelessly. It is not to be used without thinking, without wisdom. And he says, sure, sure, of course, I will I will think whenever I use it. And he gets this knowledge and the secret from Jesus and walks away, feeling very triumphant about the whole thing. And, um, of course, being so triumphant and so inflated if you like his ego is inflated because he's not jesus he doesn't have the the prophetic wisdom of jesus he's not connected with the divine he wants this um, secret in order to feel powerful and he is now feeling powerful so as he's celebrating his own power and he's walking around he comes across this dead animal it happens to be a lion, a dead lion, and he says, okay, great, here, let me test my power. He uses the secret, and he brings the lion to life. And of course, what happens after that? Well, it's not very difficult to predict. The lion is hungry and eats him up, right on spot. In this story, of course, as I said, the lion itself is incidental, but the whole idea is that of knowledge. How important it is that what we know is combined with the light of oversight, or rather, I should have said insight, with the light that is spread on this piece of knowledge in a way that it brightens the background so that we don't have tunnel vision, we don't have just those facts. If we do, they're not going to help us. They're going to bring the deadline to life and it's going to eat us up. But if that knowledge is combined with wisdom, then it will be applied in a situation where it would help us, benefit us, and also help and benefit others. I'm going to give you um, another story, which is much shorter. It's kind of a very little episode, but it has such a psychological depth. It's um, one of my favorite ones. And he actually tells it in Fihimafi in his uh, kind of sermons or or, uh, talks with the public. Um, And I use it. Usually, because the the um, Persian of it is also simple, um, I use it when I teach Persian, um, asking my students to read it because when they read that and understand it in the original, it's a lot of fun. Actually, using traditional Persian literature to teach language, it's one of the funnest things you can ever do because the language hasn't changed so dramatically that the present-day speakers will not be able to read older literature. So you are connected with that vast treasure trove of stories and poems which you can read with your students. And this, which is about an elephant, or peel, or feel, which also, um, uh, Features quite often in Rumi's poetry. This is about a peal, and it's a it's a beautiful short anecdote. It goes like this: Peeli ra awardeh dar seri cheshmehi ke ab horat. Peil aksa khod dar ab midid ta miramid. Pendaشت که پیلی دیگر است. So, they brought this elephant to um, a pond to drink. And this elephant looked into the pond and saw this huge image of, of itself. Really overpowering, large, majestic animal. And he got scared. He would run away. He wouldn't want to drink water because he thought that there was another creature, that creature, huge creature in the water. And if he went there to drink, that creature is going to attack it and harm it. So as you're kind of reading the story and are are busy laughing at this elephant, um, Rumi tells you, Well, this is very much like you. You have in yourself greed and anger and envy and fear and all of these characteristics. You don't think about them. You're not afraid of them. But you see them in another person somebody else gets angry or somebody else has greed or somebody else is envious of you you get really mad you run away you're afraid that that person is going to harm you what you do not realize that that's exactly an image of you you have all of those characteristics in yourself and, and if you realized that that is you. You would be a lot kinder to other people who have such shortcomings and you would also be much more aware of your own shortcomings and will try to kind of build a bridge both in terms of accepting others and correcting yourself. Well... This always reminds me of the famous psychological concept of the shadow that the great psychologist Carl Gustav Jung taught us, that we all have a shadow, aspects of our character which we don't like, that we kind of aware that they exist in us, but we don't think about And then we see them in other people. And we hate that. And we show anger. We run away. We don't want to see it. So, I think that um, we have almost exhausted our time for today's episode. I'm trying not to make these um, anecdotes to go longer than thirty. 31, 32, maybe at most 35 minutes so that you can listen to one of them without having to um, go on for too long and then you can listen again if you like or you can go to another episode or to something completely different. But let me read those beautiful lines about the flowers and animals again in Persian so that we would end with Rumi's melodic voice. کو سوسانو کو نسترن کو سوسانو کو نسترن کو سرو لالو یاسمن کو سبز پوشان چمن کو ارغوان کو ارغوان کو میوه ها را دایگان کو شहद و شکر رایگان است از شیر روان هر شیردان هر شیردان Ku bolbol shirin fanam Ku bolbol shirin fanam Ku fawq de kukuzanam Tavus khoobe chun sanam Kututian tutiyan Kututian tutiyan Where are the parrots Where are the parrots well, let me leave you with the parrots till next time. Again, you can email me at Radio at umd.edu. Take care. <laughs> Sanama de de del 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 de del del de del de de